welcome to the Becoming Yourself podcast, where we discuss how to live more authentic lives and how to discover and embody our soul's highest purpose. I'm your host, Angelina Sage. Today, I want to talk a bit about our soul's highest purpose. We've had quite a bit of introductory material, so I think it's a good time to jump in a little bit more directly. Now, of course, this is not going to be just one episode to deal with this topic, not even close, but this is where I'm feeling led to begin, and that is starting with one of the most basic things, which is the way that we take care of and relate to our physical bodies. Now, what I say might surprise you because I'm not going to talk about how we eat or how we exercise or any particular style of doing those things because that's really not my focus. But in the intro of the show, I talk about embodying our soul's highest purpose and that was not accidental wording. I could have just said, let's discover our highest purpose and let's execute our purpose but I think it's important to actually embody it. So let's unpack what that means for a moment. A lot of faith traditions really denigrate the physical body. There's a lot of teaching on denying the body, mastering the body, and then eventually after death, transcending the body. And I do understand what those teachings are getting at. They don't want us to become slaves to our physical forms, and that's definitely something that I can get behind. But I think that the line of thinking ends up going too far. From the obvious perspective, our souls wouldn't be present on the earth without our bodies, right? So that's kind of important. But beyond that, our souls would be completely ineffective to create anything without our body as well. Even the writers of ancient religious texts obviously needed their bodies to do that work. So there's a lot of focus in the yogic traditions around the mind-body connection, and that has influenced my thinking a lot. We're not just floating minds and souls, but we are an interconnected unit of all the dis- the different aspects of us. And Western medicine has really done a lot, with without meaning to, to separate us into different specialties and now even subspecialties. We have psychiatrists and psychologists treating our minds, but rarely does the gastroenterologist wonder if the person's emotional state or psychological state is related to their digestive distress, and it nearly always is. The gut isn't called the second brain for no reason. And then the inverse is also true. What's happening in the gut is often echoed in the mind and in the mood. And this is just one very basic example of how the mind-body connection is everything. And as someone who has spent a lot of my adult life with moderate and even occasionally sometimes serious health issues, I can speak pretty definitively to the fact that if our bodies are sick, 
we are unable to do our soul's full mission on this earth. I have been really involved in the pursuit of physical health for many years. I've spent an insane amount of money on supplements and herbs, super amazing organic food, yoga, all the things, and it was great. I would never have taken it back. But the needle didn't start moving much for me until I addressed my psychological and emotional stress levels. This was important for multiple reasons. First of all, no one wants to be sick and miserable. I certainly didn't, which is why I ended up knocking down about a thousand doors trying to figure it out. But more than that, I was really frustrated with the fact that I was spending so much time having to focus on my physical issues that I couldn't spend the time I wanted on actually making an impact in the world. Only in the last two years have I really been cracking the code on what is going on with my mind-body connection and how to repair it. I also have noticed that a lot of healers and empaths and just generally really intuitive people often have health problems that plague them on an ongoing basis, and that's certainly been true for me. I do not think that that's inevitable at all. I know lots of healers with robust physical health, but we all have our different battlefields in life, so it it is common. But I think it can take us a long time to put up the systems and boundaries in our lives that keep us from absorbing too much. That absorbed emotion that we pick up from others really takes its toll because that long-term emotional baggage will often turn physical. Even people who are not energy sensitive can have a similar phenomenon with things like old grudges or betrayals or slights that they're just holding on to. So those things end up deep in the body and they can cause all types of symptoms. Just to outline how the different aspects of us can respond to improvements, let's start with the soul. So the soul is always tuned in to our higher path, always. And the mind is capable of quick changes when new information comes in to change course. That doesn't mean that everyone chooses to do it quickly because a lot of resistance often comes up, but the mind can do it, it is possible. Then the energy system is slower. If you do some sort of dramatic energy work like a soul retrieval, for example, you can definitely have a rapid shift in your energetic programming. But more typical routes like meditation and visualization, while being extremely effective, and I'm a huge proponent of them and I teach them myself, but they also take a while to work. They take a while to actually cause shifts in the energy system. It is just a slower process. And then finally, the body is without a doubt the slowest to catch up. The body is 
composed of matter, which is, of course, the most dense form of energy, and therefore the slowest to respond to change. That is frustrating to us. It's like we finally figure it out. Our souls are on it. We've made the mental shifts. We're working on interrupting those old energy patterns that mess us up. And still our bodies are slow to respond and heal. It can be absolutely maddening, but that's the way the body works. I can't tell you how often I meet people who are taking licorice root and ashwagandha and reishi and all these great things for adrenal fatigue, but they haven't changed their stress levels or their lifestyles and they can't understand why it's not getting better. This was me for years and it's really common. The body can only change so much when the mind and the energy systems are also not on board. Taking care of our bodies takes a lot of time and energy, which naturally ends up taking away time from things like praying and meditating, right? So that's a frustration for a lot of people who are on a spiritual path. But think about it. It's stewardship. Our bodies can be the canary in the coal mine. So many health conditions begin with stress and then the inflammation that follows stress. Now, in my job, I do not work directly with the physical body, but when my clients have health issues, they usually tell me about them because it's all part of the picture. This is why I love working with the chakras so much because each chakra has physical components and emotional components and psychological components, so it hits so many angles. And healing a chakra imbalance can have just profound improvements upon someone's physical health, even though that isn't necessarily the direct aim. So this is another thing that I want to shift in the conversation about spirituality and our bodies, is that taking care of ourselves physically is actually a very spiritual endeavor rather than a distraction. Getting into our bodies and listening to what they're telling us is a way in which we can tap into our purpose because our bodies are our vehicle in pretty much every way. Our bodies are giving us constant feedback about ways in which we are not treating ourselves with love. In the realm of energy healing, dis-ease or the separation from health is believed to start within the energy field long before it takes root in the physical body. There are so many ways in which we do not treat our bodies kindly. There are the obvious things like, you know, eating a bunch of junk food, drinking too much alcohol, not getting enough sleep. We all know those, but body hatred is a big one too. This is a more pronounced issue for women generally, but it certainly occurs in men as well. Things like eating disorders and body dysmorphic disorder, those are ways in which we are actually treating our bodies like shit, even though it's completely unintentional. Because think about it, our bodies can't use reason. All they do is feel, so they can feel the vibrations of disgust that we feel towards them 
but they're unable to discern if the intent behind it is malicious or purely accidental. I do not in any way specialize in these issues, and I want to be clear that if you have body dysmorphia or an eating disorder, I'm not saying it's your fault. I really urge you to get help because those things are more harmful to you than you're probably even aware of because they just run so deep. They affect the whole the whole system of body, spirit, mind, everything. So for me, my body hatred has been in the form of feeling betrayed by my body with all my health issues. Off and on for nearly 10 years, I felt at odds with my body like I couldn't trust it because it wasn't doing what I wanted it to do. I'd feel like, what the fuck do you want from me? I'm eating the right foods. I'm taking the right supplements. I'm doing yoga almost every single day. What more do you want? I was full of anger and resentment, but my body wanted so much more. It wanted rest. And I was physically resting at least a little bit to some degree, but all the while my mind was this whirlwind of anxiety and to-do lists. So I never was experiencing true rest. When I finally came to understand all this, which wasn't so very long ago, I felt really badly. I felt like, like I had had it all backwards and I actually felt like I had wronged my body and I was the one who needed to apologize. I remember one day during a meditation, I received this information about what I just said just now. And I was swamped with emotion about how much time and energy I had spent blaming my body for being sick when all it was doing was responding to what I was throwing at it. I'm a full-blown empath, and before I knew how to manage my energetic boundaries, I was absorbing the stress and negativity and the intensity of the people around me. I was involved in several toxic relationships. I was trying to do way too much, way more than was reasonable in my situation because I thought that I had to. I really honestly believe that I I had no choice. I could not let any of this these things go or drop any of the balls. I really truly believe that. So when I finally thought about it from this different perspective, I realized that my body hadn't betrayed me at all. It was trying to speak to me in the form of all these weird symptoms to try to get me to slow the fuck down and actually take care of myself instead of just doing all the things and making sure that everything got done. So that was a huge revelation. It was a long process that is still not complete, but the mission has been and still is to change those automatic thoughts of frustration and criticism towards my body when it's not functioning the way that I want it to or the way that I think it should be. So think of what your body is telling you. 
I don't mean this in a mystical way, but very concretely. Let's, um, let's say, do you have an autoimmune disease? Do you feel critical or unhappy with your appearance, your hair, your skin? I mean, anything. Do you have trouble sleeping? Do you have extra weight that's refusing to come off no matter what you eat or don't eat? These are all signs that your mind is having a less than healthy impact on your body. Now, the reason that this episode is shorter than usual is because I'm also going to be releasing at the same time as this a simple and brief meditation that you can do to get to the root of some of this. All it requires is about 10 minutes of stillness and silence and an open mind. I love guided meditations so much and I love doing them for my clients. So I hope that you get a lot of value out of it. Just please be aware that you should wait to do it until you know you'll have at least 10 minutes of uninterrupted quiet so that you can really concentrate. The meditation is designed to help you hear from your body in a meditative state that is easier for that information to get through because our rational minds can screw us over in the most fantastic ways sometimes, which is why meditation is such a great tool. So back to this idea of embodiment. To embody anything, let alone something as huge as your soul's highest purpose, you need to be at least to some degree at peace with your body. It does not have to be perfect. It may never be perfect, but it needs to at least be something that you've put some work into and that like everybody's kind of on the same wavelength. There's the practical piece of it, which is if you have any physical issue that has some basis in stress or unhappiness that will literally stand in your way in the form of not being well enough to do your mission as it did with me. But energetically, if there's a disconnect between the mind and body, how can you be your soul's own hands and feet to do the mission, even if you have the physical ability to? So think about that. You have to be fully on your own team. That is really important. You have to be fully on your own team. So many of us are not. For most of my life, I was not. I was not on team Angelina. I was on team every other freaking person in my life. And I thought of myself last. And my health completely reflected that. I think so many of us spend a lot of time outside of our bodies because it's more comfortable. Our bodies are so primal and our minds have our incredible neocortex, which is the part of our brain that basically separates us from every other animal. We have our insane abilities to use logic and problem solve and create and innovate in huge ways. And these things are the product of our neocortex. But 
the neocortex is also where our ability to disconnect from our bodies comes from. I think I've mentioned this in a previous podcast already, although I don't know for sure, but our minds can basically tell us any story ever. They're really crafty that way. That's where incredible works of literature and technology innovation come from, because that's a world where anything is possible. But it also means that we can fall prey to making a lot of excuses about hmm, why binge drinking and emotional eating and unhealthy promiscuous behavior We can make a lot of excuses from that creative place, right, about why those things are totally okay. And I'm not saying this from a place of judgment at all, but from a place of seeing how these numbing behaviors successfully disconnect us from our bodies, but they also hurt us so much. So hopefully in the meditation you will get some good information about how this shows up for you specifically but when you start to make peace with your body and start to be present in your body that's when you can start thinking about embodying your purpose so if you have a calling let's say that's really like upper chakra Maybe it involves a lot of uh, meditation or visualizing or working with your imagination all day to create. Even so, you're still in your body. So we've all had those upper chakra moments where we got so absorbed in what we were doing that we suddenly realized, oh, I skipped a meal or, oh my gosh, I'm dehydrated. I haven't had any water in five hours because we were so up in our heads. So even people whose purpose is going to involve spending more time in a state like that, they need to learn how to spend more time in the body. In fact, I would say they need to learn it more because they will have fewer prompts to have to listen to it and practice it. And if your purpose is related more to the four lower chakras, so we're talking root, sacral, solar plexus, or heart, then your purpose is actually asking you and requiring you to spend more time being physically present. So this can look like someone who works with their hands, like a carpenter. It can be a dancer, landscaper, athlete, artist, stay-at-home mom, even an energy healer. But either way, you're looking to be embodied when you are expressing your purpose or anything that you feel strongly and passionately about. Because another gift of embodiment is authenticity. I'll give an example. I can be extremely silly. I'm actually really surprised that I have refrained from quoting the legendary and highly inappropriate movie Anchorman on the podcast so far. That's that's a real achievement for me. But before one of my clients arrives, whether it's in person or on the phone, I take a few minutes or longer if I need it to get back into my body and get out of that more silly, 
playful place and just really ground down, down into that root chakra. The effect this has is that I'm modeling embodiment to my client and energy is very contagious. So if I hold the space with a calm, rooted energy and demeanor, then my client is able to relax into that and our time together is so much more effective. And this is not fake, to be clear. This is another very real aspect of me that comes out in um, a yin yoga class or when I'm giving my son a massage or anything else that really pulls that out of me. It's, it's the part of me that I embodied in the delivery room when I was a birth doula. But the point I'm trying to make is you can't fake it. That's why you have to embody it. People can really sense when you're acting a certain way, but it doesn't actually go all the way down. Even the process of discovering your purpose requires embodiment, unless you are one of the lucky few who receives that insight through a dream or during meditation, which does happen. As you move through life in an embodied way, you'll be able to pick up so many clues along the way. You'll notice a knot in your stomach when you're doing something that doesn't feel right. Maybe you'll feel warm tingles when you're doing something that lights you up. Maybe your chest or your throat will tighten when you're around someone who violates your boundaries in some way. But our bodies are capable of being incredible tuning forks. And the more in tune you become with your body, the more it has the ability to educate you. I'm getting the feeling that I need to interject this, which is if you are a listener who is older, maybe past midlife, these episodes are just as much for you as for the younger crowd. I have a blog post on my website called It's Never Too Late that I will link below because I'm super passionate about getting this message to two different age groups. The first group is the young people who have not yet committed too deeply to a life that isn't right for them. They probably already have an inkling that there's something more out there for them that they haven't quite discovered yet. And then the second group is the older people who know they're committed to a life that isn't right for them, but they feel stuck and that it's too late to change course. But I've heard enough 60-year-olds say that they still don't know what they want to do when they grow up, which tells me that on some level, people recognize that these things can change at any age. It's just that people don't usually give themselves permission. So I just wanted to get that in there. And it is true that it is easier to come to a path of authenticity when you're 25, absolutely. But it's never too late. All right, so an activity for the week that I would love to offer you guys is please start paying attention to the messages your body sends to you 
in the form of sensations. That's the simplest place to start. Now, of course, I'm referring to sensations that are outside of what you might experience from an actual illness because that's a totally different thing your body's telling you. But things like, you know, butterflies or knots in your stomach or tightness in your throat or even headaches start to notice if there's a pattern or a connection between the sensations you may notice when you start paying attention that you're feeling things a lot more often than you ever realized so as for a pattern or connection maybe it's tightness maybe you're feeling tightness but it's in multiple places in your body so then you could say okay what does tightness represent to me? Am I closed off to something or someone? Am I experiencing fear that I'm consciously unaware of? Or maybe you're feeling many different sensations, but all concentrated in one part of your body. Okay, so what is that part of your body related to? These are all questions you can ask and then information that you can use. So as always, I would love to hear from you if you want to share your experiences with me. I hope that you give the meditation a try, even if you aren't a meditator, and even if you've never done any energy work. There's nothing scary in it. There's nothing intense in it. It's very simple. It's about 10 minutes of your time, and you might be surprised by how it makes you feel. Thank you so much for listening. And I will talk to you again next Friday.